Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding. And I have, a, I think this is your third time on, Ben, in, in two years? I think so, yeah. 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 Well, uh, so we got uh, Ben Zettler back. I'll let you do a quick intro on yourself. But today we are going to get into various topics. So it's going to be a little bit of a rapid fire Q&A to Ben and really just trying to focus on Q4 and what Ben's saw last year, what you're seeing this year, and really how to maximize email opt-in rates as in terms of owned marketing. That's something that I'm hearing a lot of as people are getting ready for ultimately, you know, that third, fourth week in November and try to maximize. So Ben, welcome back and give everyone a quick intro. Yeah, thank you for having me on again. You know, I really enjoy these types of conversations. And obviously, like we've had a, a really nice partnership on the you know, platform side of what we've been able to do for a lot of our clients by leveraging Elevar. I'm Ben Zettler, uh, founder of Zettler Digital. We are an e-commerce and digital marketing optimization agency. What does that mean? Ultimately, we focus on three core things. It's site optimization, it's own marketing, email and SMS, and it's customer acquisition. So managing advertising for, for clients that we work with. Nice. All right. So let's get right into the uh, the juicy stuff. So if we look back to last year, so Q4, holiday, Black Friday, whatever, however you want to define it, who crushed and why? Maybe don't name, name names, but maybe like in your mind, who who really crushed it last year? And when you look back in retrospect, why do you think they they performed better? And then we'll look at the opposite of who didn't and why. Yeah, you know it's interesting because there are a lot of things. Yeah, that, you know the old phrase: the more things change, the more they stay the same, right? So like, especially around that time of year, at least what I found in my experience and the clients that we worked with. You know, the things that work are the things that work around, you know, a big sale time. The folks that I saw do well last year are, are kind of some of the things that I've been talking about on LinkedIn lately is like, where can you add value to the customer experience for both new and returning customers? So an example of that, like if you're, you know, everybody's going to be running a sale. There's very few brands that, that aren't like Black Friday, for example. But, you know, if you have the right type of product where you you have like a let's say a wide array of you know things that you can offer like when there's free gifts involved or there's like bonus tiers or folks that are like leveraging rebuy during that time of year in their smart cart or just anything in general like even without like complex setups of things that you're adding a little extra value beyond just hey here's up to 20% off, up to 50% off, up to 67% off, which a lot of brands do. And doesn't it doesn't not work because I've seen that kind of work too. But then the question is a little bit like kind of more long-term, like what's the impact of that on your sales? Like, you know, all the regular customers that are buying from you fairly frequently, depending on what types of products you sell, you know, how much does that cannibalize future sales? So if you kind of reel it in a little bit and kind of you know rein in the urge to just like blast out some like crazy super compelling offer that people are going to take advantage of if you can 
hey, you spend a hundred dollars, you're getting this free gift or whatever it might be. Gamify it. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that, I've seen that work really well. And, and frankly, that's what we've been talking with clients about, about, about doing this year, like ways that you can you know, increase AOV, even during this like high sale time or ways that you can you know, build a little bit of stickiness with both your returning customers and the folks that are going to be buying from you for the first time. The, the gamifying, actually, that struck a chord. We had, uh, I know Kinsley, Armel, and I think a few others tried this a few years ago when we talked about, it was like an Easter egg hunt. So we, I think we talked about it going in the Easter, but it was, you can do the same thing around holiday, but you'd have to, it would essentially be an Easter egg hunt where you have to go hunt through collection pages and find like, you know, a special product or the golden egg or whatever you want to do, but they gamified it and ran a campaign around that and it did really, really well. Maybe that, that was Easter, so it's a little bit different than holiday, but I don't know. That's an idea for it. Yeah, we, we've done that with brands before. Like, and it's it's simple things. Like, you know, we always think about like, okay, implementation. We talk about these things, and what does somebody listening like have to do and actually like to do it? You know, sometimes it's uh, upload a different product image that has like a literal like icon, like yeah, Easter a golden ticket, whatever it is, and that particular product is going to be like. X percent off or X dollars off or X more off that particular day for that, that sale. And yeah, it gets people sifting through a collection page. It allows them to see other, other pieces of content, other information, depending on how you structure what those deals are. That's where you can increase, you know, AOV to a fairly significant degree potentially. And that's a fun one. Like, the, yeah, I've seen that work well too. Yeah. So just going back to last year and who you felt really performed better than average, was it really around just instead of doing the, hey, it's a blanket 20% off Black Friday and off everything, is it more that, that gamification? So spend 50, get X. Spend 100, you get X and Y. Spend 200, you get X, Y, and Z. And then using different implementations, apps, you mentioned Rebuy, but doing different things. Did I understand that correctly of just changing that? Yeah, I'm thinking of an example. I won't, I won't name a name, but you know, a, a supplement company that we work with where you know they sell a fairly wide array of products so it kind of gives them the ability to do something like this but you know it, it may be a little bit more difficult for let's say a brand that you know has one or two or three SKUs. but um the way that they do it is they set a limited amount of inventory at different percentages you know different products like you know this pre-workout is going to be 15 percent off there's gonna be 100 units of this flavor you know, this protein powder is going to be 35% off and there's going to be, you know, 250 units of this, this flavor, you know, and, and kind of so on, you know, through their product mix at different tiers and putting that within one landing page that is sort of the primary destination, not even sort of, it's the primary destination for where they're directing traffic to throughout the entire weekend, uh, like whenever that sale period is running. So ads traffic, email traffic, organic social, takeover on the homepage, essentially giving users the ability to add to cart right there within that page. And so it, it simplifies the buying process. It gives you like, okay, this is exactly where you need to go in order to take advantage of anything that we're offering. And then they, they specifically, this example I'm thinking of, do you use rebuy? Do you have a smart cart enabled? They have tiered gifts at different thresholds and then also upsells within that cart. So. That's the way they've done it. And I've seen other brands do that as well. And that's worked super well. Like I really like the landing page concept, even without like thinking about what the specifics of the deals are, like whatever they are. If, you know, let's say, let's say you don't have the, the largest inventory. Like let's say you, you don't have hundreds of SKUs, but you have 20, 30, 40, 50, or even 
just part of your deal will be the, those 20, 30, 40, or 50. Even if you have a, a higher inventory count, kind of curating that experience for people can also really help. You're not, you know, you're not shutting down the other links on your site, but you're, you're giving them a specific destination. And that tends to work really well for sure. Applying the scarcity principle a little bit with that inventory of, hey, only 100 units are going to be available at 15% off and then it goes back to full price or something, something similar. Yeah. And, and you know, you see some brands that'll do that. And it's like, they're not actually like tracking on certain inventory, this brand in particular, like, no, it's, it's this amount of inventory and then it will sell out. And, and they do that for a few reasons. Yes. That scarcity element so that they can sort of get users in the mindset that like, Hey, I should take advantage of this. But also from a logistics, uh, logistics perspective of they're shipping those products out, pairing that inventory in order to get those orders out the door and mapping out a, a true sales plan uh, for the weekend. And, um, you know, for them, it's worked. And maybe not necessarily the model for everybody, but still like you can always take principles from something like that and, and sort of apply it pretty widely. My CRO neurons are, they're just firing rapidly right now. I'm thinking, oh, how could you get a video in your like a warehouse and actually a video next to the inventory? Like, listen, this is our palette. This is all that we have. This is the max. Yep. And uh, just bring some, uh, maybe some honesty because there is a lot of that false scarcity that happens across the world of CRO. Yeah, exactly. And then like, the speedometer or something on the collection pages is how to have a thermometer or speedometer that shows like where it is in terms of being sold out and expected time. Like what's the rate, like the rate of sales, kind of like the hotels.com where it's like, oh, four people have done whatever or I don't know. It's uh I've mentioned this before. This is one of my favorite times of the year of just coming up with crazy ideas and 90% of them are terrible, but yeah, you know, one, you can get one home run. Yeah. It's like, that's when things like that are fun. Like, you know, you can't do that year round because it just, it, it'll eventually just, you know, fall stale. Like people aren't going to like pay attention to it. And, 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 you know, then that, that can actually create problems for you, but like there's a certain expectation at this time of year. And that's when like some of the creative juices can flow a little bit and you can have fun with it. Yeah. All right. So now we'll, we'll look at the polar opposite. Who, when you look back to last year, that maybe they missed expectations or missed their mark, what are some of the, any commonalities or any specific examples that you saw that, again, whether it was you or the, or the brand together, just retrospecting why things may have fallen short? Yeah, I think two, two scenarios that I've seen and that, frankly, I, I see all the time. I see every year the things that fairly consistently underperform a, when a brand, let's say, fairly frequently does 20% off, 25% off, 30% off, like site-wide throughout the year. And then Black Friday, they're just opening up that, that offer again. Same thing. There's nothing, nothing that really differentiates it. And also, they're not like leading with product in any way. It's just, hey, here's, here's 25% off Black Friday. Okay, here, you know, there you go. Now, for some brands that might work, let's say you don't, discounts frequently, maybe you have a little bit more of a following, a little bit more of a name, larger brand. But for many, you know, something like that, well, it'll just fall flat. Another scenario is when brands will overcomplicate their offers, you know, add in a lot of restrictions, not have that landing page experience that we talked about. But oh wait, you know, if, let's say they're they they have a thousand SKUs and they, you know, they sell from different vendors and okay, this vendor is excluded and this vendor is excluded and this product from this vendor is excluded, but not this product. But like, you're not actually communicating that to users except for in like fine print. That tends to, you know, not do it. And I've even had others where like kind of along those lines, they will set a discount to be sort of termed as like a, a free gift, but it's just the amount off the order. And then there's different codes at different 
thresholds, but it's the same percent off. So it's just like making it overly complex. Like this code is $10 off 100. This code is $20 off 200. It's the same exact offer. Like it just, it doesn't work every time. <laughs> and I've seen folks do it, you know, multiple times. Or, you know, even let's say when I say doesn't work, okay, how do we define that? Like they may sell, they may, they may have a better day than they did the day before, you know, when, when Black Friday comes around, but they're missing out theoretically too on just like a lot of potential sales that, Maybe if they had created that landing page experience, maybe if you know the inclusions and exclusions are a little bit more clarified, that it could be a lot easier for the buyer in order to claim an offer or buy something or whatever it might be. Yeah, if you are listening and if you have not watched the session with Dylan from Heatmap at our LOR Summit a couple of weeks ago, he he talked through a framework on the gator versus the judge. And the, essentially the gator, it's the primal instinct. It's our learned behavior. It's 95% of our decisions we make every day. It's just, it's the gator. We just make them without really thinking. And then the judge is the 5% where there's something happening that doesn't look right. So it causes you to pause. And then he, he had one of the best quotes of the summit. I'm going to, I'll probably mess it up, but he essentially said, somebody clicks your ad, they want to buy. It's like, why else would they click your ad? So your job as a CRO or marketer, whoever it is, like that owns a site and the copy is like, your job is not to fuck that up. Right. Like they clicked your ad, they want to buy. And it was a lot of it was around copy and being clear and not trying to confuse people. A lot of it goes into customer research or just giving, giving people what they want. Anyways, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to that, that session. It's separated on YouTube. But as you were talking through that, the different fine print and the deals that are the same and just you know trying to be sneaky, it's like that's what cause, potentially causes a certain percentage of people just to pause and then you've probably lost them at that point. Absolutely. And, and that's, such a great, that's such a great way to look at it. And I see brands that do that year round, you know, forget even Black Friday, that you know, they're almost overly protective of their inventory and of their brand. When it's not a bad thing to have that mindset to be, you know, protective of the brand, you know, we kind of want to uh, give off a certain vibe about who we are and what we do. And we don't discount, we don't do this, but where, you know, that, that falls short is just in like overly complicating different processes when, when it does come to a sale. If you're going to run a sale, run a sale. And if you're not, don't, <laughs> you know, like. Hey, if we have a hundred products, we're going to run the sales. You know, it's 50% off site wide and, you know, 10 products are eligible. Like, and that's just an extreme example, but, but, you know, it kind of has that feel like you just, you want to keep it simple, allow users to, to claim an offer if you're giving one. And then if you do, then, hey, you know, it, it should work out. Yeah. All right. So I was looking at some of our benchmark data yesterday, just looking at October and looking compared to last year and just what needles are starting to move up or down. And uh, I shared this on LinkedIn yesterday as well, but I was noticing collection view percentages. So basically view, people viewing collection pages are going way up and then the product viewed, the add to cart ratio. So percentage of people are, that are viewing products or percentage of product views and then add to cart ratio is going down. I, was, I called it pogo sticking potentially between collection product pages. So viewing more product pages and uh, that naturally, I think, it goes into potentially people researching or getting ahead of when they're actually going to buy or building their list, waiting for sales, et cetera. And the topic that we have here that is a great plugin or transition is how do you maximize your capture of those browsers? So that's through your owned marketing. You've been talking a lot about when you are collecting emails or SMS is besides just the email, try to one or two additional questions 
So you can enrich their Klaviyo profiles. We can, you can use that in your segmentation. So A, what kind of strategies would you recommend implementing in that collection? So again, collecting emails, phone numbers, then how do you actually go through that process of segmenting in Klaviyo, which is your super skills? Let's get into that. So, well, the first thing I want to mention is that I try in many interesting ways, I guess, to understand a regular user um, when they're shopping online. And by that, I mean, like, I'll see, well, like, my wife and I are home, like, I'll see her on her phone, like, she's on a website, she's browsing through, I'll literally just watch her. And I'll, I'll try not to tell her that I'm watching her. But she always knows who I am anyway. But I do it because, like, trying to understand how someone who doesn't, like, work in this world shops online. And sometimes, like, I, I just, I'm, like, nerding out a little bit. Like, I, I ask people, like, I ask family, I ask friends, like, you know, go to his website and just, like, poke around. Like, the thing that I see is kind of exactly what you're describing. Like, it's, it, it's going to a collection. It's scrolling, 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 scrolling. It's always on phones. For the most part, not always, but 75% of the time, even if we're, you know, sitting on the couch and laptops right there, but, you know, on the phone, you're going through filters. So that, you know, for, for anybody that might be listening, like if you're not leveraging filters or not doing it in like sort of a more dynamic way in your collection pages, Shopify now makes it so, so, so easy to do that through even just using the search and discovery app. Even if you're not using a more advanced filter app. You know, and you're just leveraging tags in Shopify or meta fields and then using that for, for categories of filters to make it easier for people to narrow down to certain products in that collection page experience. Super, super important because that's what I, that's what I observe. Like when I'm watching my wife do that, like I'm seeing her just, you know, clicking on different options. You know, we just moved into a house. So we're looking at tables and chairs and like we were just doing it last night. And yeah, and then they're, popping into a product page and then kind of popping out and then you know into another product page and then just kind of looking at the secondary image that shows on a collection page but not clicking on the product page. So that collection experience is something that, not that it's been de-emphasized, but just probably hasn't been emphasized enough as far as abandonment and, and the things that you can do with data that's theoretically available and out there now and here comes the shameless plug for Elevar because we've done for a lot of clients where you know we we leverage session enrichment, which allows us to make sure that we're we're tracking a you know a higher number of users that are in the email list that are performing certain actions on the site and then serving them flows out of Clavio based on that information. So based on you know, what collection they were viewing and serving them a, a particular piece of content. You know, we do the same for browse abandonment, like a view product. We do the same for adding to cart, which is a little bit more, you know, run of the mill is probably the wrong, wrong phrase for it, but it's a little bit more standard that people are used to. But collection abandonment is, is something that should be, I think, more of a focus for a lot of brands, especially brands with higher SKU counts. Because on the other side, you'll also have brands that, you know, they have lower SKU counts, they're running a lot of landing page traffic, they're directing users to PDPs, they built out sections-enabled content on those PDPs. So there, there's less of a need for the collection page, if that makes sense, just based on like where they're sending traffic to from all these different sources. Yeah. But But for a lot of brands collection pages are a little bit of an untapped type of source. Now with that, just to, to relate to the, the sort of second part of what you were saying with the, the question around like data and data collection, there are 
that's a big thing that I've been starting to sort of talk about a lot, like I'm on LinkedIn and just with clients. Um, there's ways to sort of, I don't want to say easily, but ways to kind of balance asking for too much at like a sign-up form or a post-purchase survey or whatever it might be versus not asking for anything at all. When I, when I say asking for anything, again, for everybody listening, we're, we're talking now about more like zero-party data, information that users are going to give to you so that you can better segment down to who they are, what their interests are, and then serve them content that may be more relevant for them. Like, are you shopping for you or are you shopping for someone else? Exactly. Shopping for you, shopping for someone else, you know, or even just, you know, product categories like men, women, kids, you know, if you're a clothing brand, you know, not necessarily, I wouldn't put like, you know, price range of what you're shopping in within a pop-up, but you might put something like that in like a quiz on site, like a product recommendation quiz. And you're serving content then in that case to users on site, but then you're also capturing all their answers to that quiz that they just took. And then they enter their email, you're sending it into Clavio. Now you can use each one of those properties to create a segment. You can use each one of those properties to serve dynamic content in a message. You can use each one of those to add a conditional split within a flow. You know, let's say it's just a standard browse abandonment flow, but you know, this user is you know said that they're shopping for women. So you're gonna put within that message the you know a, a, a lifestyle image with a woman holding like a handbag. That's the most popular handbag versus somebody shopping for men. Okay, you know their best-selling men's shoes might go in the header image for that instead. So I'm going to pause just for those that are following. So what we're talking about here is your standard pop-up or maybe a not standard pop-up. Right now, people are asking for email, phone number, but this progressive profiling, which has become very popular in e-com over the last couple of years with quizzes, prior to becoming big in e-com, is huge in just direct marketing, SaaS, etc. I remember a training. I think it was Ryan Levesque, this is going back probably three or four years, it's about like how to build a viral quiz magnet because BuzzFeed used to do this. And it was the psychology and even the stats because we we did this at Elevar a couple of years ago. But if you get a person just to answer the first question in one of those progressive profiles, like a yes, a binary question, it's almost like they they feel like they need to finish it. Right, now invested. They're invested, yeah. So that's why the quiz completion rates are have, are so high is once people get through, they're like, might as, might as well finish it. Don't want to don't leave it halfway done. So again, trying, I'm going off my own tangent here. Pop-up, email, phone number, collection. And then it could be step two, three, four. It's are you shopping for yourself or what category, type, et cetera. And then taking those attributes, making sure they're synced to their Klaviyo or whatever email system or SMS system. Those attributes are tied to that user inside Klaviyo. And then you're just talking through the whether it's flows or a newsletter is using that information to dynamically display. So if I'm shopping for my wife, you're shopping for yourself, the email I'm getting is going to be imagery focused on me shopping for my wife. But the email that you are getting is based on things you shopping for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And you know, sometimes there's a tendency for brands to like almost overcomplicate it, like ask for too much. And then you have all this information. And then on the other side... They're not leveraging that information, or if they are, you know, they have a list of you know a hundred thousand people, and you know, they've got fifty people or five hundred people even that have answered a specific question. It's good to have that data, but then they can get overwhelmed with, okay, I have all this, and I'm going to send an email to this group, and then this group, and then this group. I'm going to send ten of those all in one day, and then there's there's two problems and it sounds almost simple that that come along with that it's either you're you're about to send 10 emails to people and some people are going to get 10 emails or 
you are excluding users that have just received an email and you know, by the, that last send, it's like 10 people are getting something. So, you know, that's something that folks should still think about, like not to go too far, you know, to overcomplicate the process and add, add more work for you as the brand or marketer when it's not necessary. But when you can collect information that would theoretically be super relevant for how you're going to lay out that content, whether it's email or if it's SMS too, then that's where it'll be really important. So like we've talked a little bit about the shopping for men versus women or what types of products or things like that. Now I'll go back to, you know, thinking about an example of like a supplements company that, you know, does a quiz for understanding shoppers workout habits, body types, and what their fitness goals are. And you know, each one of those things then becomes a custom property on their Clavio profile. And that becomes super relevant because like, you know, if somebody says, okay, I'm vegan. Well, they have a whole line of vegan products and they're not necessarily going to promote whey protein. Somebody says, you know, my goals are to increase muscle mass, you know, they're not like versus like weight loss. You know, the different products that are relevant for those things. So that's where like, if you can ask questions that would be, you know, really uncover or, or funnel users down into what product might be most relevant for them. Those are the questions to ask. Um, that's the information to collect. And then that's what you should use for creating segments. That's what you should use for those conditional splits. That's what you should use for making that unique content versus just having so much information. And, and you know what, test it too. Like I've been sort of on both sides of the fence, to be honest, of, you know, where you collect information. So, you know, sometimes, you know, it's keep it simple in that first welcome pop-up for the users that have come to your site for the first time. Don't ask for too much information because form submit rates can suffer, which is true. And then the other side, though, is like, well, the people that are filling that out are the people that are most likely to buy. And then you're getting more information and then they are converting at a higher rate. So, you know, test whether or not you're just asking for an email address and then a second step of phone number versus like you're asking for email, but you're also asking for who they're shopping for or you know, other ways outside of a pop-up or a quiz that users can collect data, like post-purchase and, and post-purchase survey tools that have become really popular that, you know, same thing, like, how did you hear about us? Who are you shopping for? You know, how are you going to use this product? Um, you know, or just anything else that might be relevant that, again, passes back into Clavio, enriches the, the profile data that's in there and, and gives you a, a little bit more firepower to serve them something relevant in the future. Yeah, I 100% agree. One of the things we've actually talked about in the uh, the walls of the virtual walls of Elevar is the so right now that the you're collecting emails through a pop up, you have the post purchase surveys. I think Okendo and others might be doing a few things UGC wise, but the grabbing that information in a very natural way. So after someone clicks add to cart, however that is, but it's it's very seamless. Like, oh, is this for you or is this a gift? And it's not a it's not distracting. It's part of the experience. And you can carry that through, maybe even through checkout and just small, very simple ways that seem very, it seems part of the experience for the user, not this, not just like this giant pop-up that's just like, hey, what's this for? I see that becoming much more of the norm. And part of the reason we've talked about that here at Elevar the last couple of years is because tracking the walled gardens and the the part of the job that we have is to make sure we maximize customer data collection. 
And uh, we tested that on the front end of, I don't know, a half dozen sites and it performed well. It was more it was more like the coupon code style versus the pop up. But so that is something I think you definitely hit a vein with, with me as well as just there are so many touch points during a, a user session that you can grab that information and it doesn't have to be a giant form. You can, you can just progressively profile once you know who that person is. Yeah. Once they tell you, they tell you who they are. Right. Exactly. Brands are getting smarter, which is a good thing because, you know, a few years ago, I mean, you still see it, but. Yeah, you're, you're just throwing this thing up there. You're asking a bunch of questions. It's sort of disruptive to the experience. But if you can keep it sort of natural in there, that's a really good thing. Um, even, you know, doing it through like an email flow, like, all right, uh, placed order equals, you know, once. So they've placed their first order. You could even go not off that event, but you could say like, let's say you're using a, a tool for transactional shipping messaging. And so you're tracking on uh, order delivered date. And then you want to say five days or seven days after the order was delivered, like kind of send that like an experience survey. And you know, how is, um, how's the product? What are you using it for? What like, you know, you, why did you buy it? And what are you using it for now? Maybe different than why you bought it, whatever questions like, and then all of that too, same thing, you know, funnel it back in and track that information and, and use it yeah. for the future. Yeah. All right, as we we'll do one last quick segment here. We'll do a you had you shared three tips last week and it was there's three things to do before Black Friday hits. You know, there were three recommendations you had. So the first one, you actually talked a little bit about this already, but I think the first one was just browse your site or maybe more importantly, peer over your uh, significant others or friend's shoulder and watch them browse your site. But maybe just touch on that, explain what you mean, and we'll move on to number two. Yeah, yeah. So I called it a usability check. It's not really anything formal, but it's it's literally just QAing your site. It's it's going through and making sure there's no issues, um, which, you know, sometimes you can be surprised, you know, that certain things are happening that you weren't aware of. Especially if you're you know operating as a smaller team and you got a lot of things going on, that's oddly enough one place where you might not be so often is just kind of browsing. You know, you can do that yourself. You can also do like usertesting.com, like one of those. You know, you can ask other people. Like, just make sure that they're you know you're not coming across any like dead links in your navigation, which I I see more often than I'd, I'd ever expect, or you know images that aren't rendering or just images that are super large for no reason, anything that disrupts the experience for a user that, you know, A, you're going to be thinking about, okay, a lot of traffic coming to the site. You want to make sure that the experience is optimal for everybody, but but B, also for new users that have never been there before. There's a lot of things that you can do that don't require, like, you know, any advanced dev or anything like that, but just making sure that everything's running properly is really the key thing. I can say this as a founder today, I'm even, I'll, I'm embarrassed to like go through our site because kind of like, I know that there are things, there are issues or things that we need to fix. There's things that have been deprioritized. So I know if I feel that way, that I'm like, I don't even, I know, I don't even want to look and see with some of the issues that are going on or read the copy that might be outdated. I know uh, some of you listening might, might feel that same way. And I have the avoidance syndrome. Yeah. I, I go through the same thing. Like on our agency site, like I had somebody point out, Somebody on our team a few weeks ago, like, hey, like this was spelled wrong, like on a main headline, like on, on one of the pages. And it's like, wow, like how did we let that slip by? So yeah, it's it's those types of things. It's the things that like don't take any like extra technical expertise or really quick fixes, but you want to make sure are, are buttoned up. Yeah. All right. Number two was uh, GSD now, not later, right? GSD, what was that one? Get stuff done. Oh, get stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really important one because... 
you know, again, this is a little bit dependent on like size of your team and sort of what you're doing. But I, I find that with a lot of merchants, you know, clients that we work with or just anybody in general, you kind of fall into one or two categories. You're either an overworked founder, meaning you have a, it's just you or a super small team and you guys are kind of wearing a lot of hats and you know, there's a lot of things that you have to worry about, especially around Black Friday. Or even if you're a larger brand, like I've seen fairly major companies, like names that folks would recognize very quickly that even them, they have you know a large organization, but a small team of folks that are handling e-commerce specifically or handling their website specifically or handling their email marketing. So anything that you can do before you know the big day is super, super important. You know, if there's emails that can be drafted up and scheduled, schedule them. If there's advertising campaigns that can be drafted up and scheduled, do it. Social posts, like anything, absolutely anything and everything that can be done beforehand, if you have the time, find the time. Because yeah, again, for most brands, and it depends for every business, because like, let's say you're, you know, you use a 3PL and you're not really touching shipping and you even outsource customer service. Like, all right, maybe in the day, there's a little bit less for you to do. But for most brands, it's, it's a lot more customer service inquiries. It's a lot more people asking about you know, certain things with your products because there are new people coming to the site. It's people commenting on social, asking different questions. It's people replying to emails, asking different questions. Like It's a very customer service and, and fulfillment heavy time that those are the things that you need to make time for so that you can ultimately increase the likelihood that those people are going to buy if you can give them that quick experience from a CS perspective. Because that that's just as important as some of the things we talked about before of like, Making sure that you know the the site experience is curated and and makes sense and easy to follow an offer and there aren't issues on the site. But you know if you're not able to be available in real time, and I'm talking like real time, you know, like somebody reaches out and if they don't have an answer in a couple seconds on Black Friday, they are immediately going somewhere else. So that's. That, yeah, and it also it opens you up to being able to make some like real time decisions around like, hey, this product's doing really well. Let's let's and we have inventory. Like, let's throw out another email or you know this deal. You know this product's been kind of buried. We thought it would have done better. Let's you know let's do something with it. It's like it'll also open you up to those types of things too of of having some more time and wiggle room to you know focus on some other you know, things from a marketing perspective in real time. Because it's Thursday and you're spending Thursday preparing for everything that needs to get sent out Friday. So you're saying get 90% of that done ahead of time. That That's a good good tip. Number three, getting zero party data now, especially a busy time where you have you know, th- two, three X number of customers is that that can help propel and grease the wheels for 2024. Right. Yeah. Like that's where you want to do what I would say. This is my opinion. I and mean, maybe other folks would say different. Like I think you want to be sensitive to what you're asking people up front pre-purchase, like especially those new users, when it when it's literally Black Friday, they come to your site, right? Here's your landing page, your offers. Hey, who are you buying for? Hey, doing this. Like at that specific time, that's where I say don't necessarily do that. You know, give people the opportunity to buy and take advantage of your offer. But you can still do the same things we just talked about of post-purchase or set up a flow. Or they still have a recommendation quiz on your site, and that's something that you know people are going to take or they're not going to take, you know, when they when they arrive. And then leveraging that information, all that information that you collected during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and just kind of the holiday sale period, 
especially for new users that have now come to your site for the first time, then you can use that information to try to market them to either buy again, or maybe they, you know, they came to the site and they didn't buy from you. You know, there's an opportunity to, to give them some more relevant content because at the, at the end of the day, like a hundred percent of people that come to your site are not going to buy. And 90% of the people that come to your site are not going to buy. And that's that's when you're doing things really, really well. If you have a 10% <laughs> conversion rate, which you don't even see during like Black Friday generally. So there's just always opportunities to to get back in front of users. Yeah, awesome. Well, I hope this was helpful to everyone listening. Ben, thank you for jumping on, sharing your wisdom. Where can folks get in touch with you? Yeah, for us, our, our website is actually just my name, benzettler.com, Z-E-T-T-L-E-R. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, pretty active on Twitter. Try to you know, share insights when I can, but certainly if anybody's interested, they can always reach out if they you know, want to get in touch with us. Awesome. Alrighty, see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. In order to help spread the word and just support the podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, share it on Twitter, share it on LinkedIn, send it to colleagues, or just send me feedback. I love reading feedback. I appreciate it. Many of the guests that have been on here, they've just emailed saying, hey, I'd love to join. Here's some topics. That could be you. Just shoot me an email or hit me up on LinkedIn. My email is brad at getallofar.com. And if you enjoy this podcast and you want to give us a rating, I would appreciate that as well. You can rate us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you are listening to this. But at the end of the day, if you could just share this and let others learn more about the world that you live in, the world that I live in with e-commerce and conversion tracking, I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.